This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Out of Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined with my co-host John. Hi. And this week we are talking about Argyle... <laughs> oh boy i can barely oh I don't, boy I, I can't describe what i'm feeling i, I want to say that like i'm excited to talk about this but I, no this is yeah i agree oh, it, there's, there's a plethora of feelings that i'm feeling right now Ooh, like yeah. there's this excitement to talk about mm. this and there's this depression <laughs> that we just watched this film and this film is none other than directed by matthew vaughn himself who directed amazing films like kick-ass Kingsman, X-Men First Class, and those were really good films. And then Argyle. Matthew Vaughn has made some really, really good films, you know, uh, comic book films, some of the best, some of the most unique, some of the most inventive. This isn't the first time that we've done a Matthew Vaughn thing on the The podcast we did. Yes. Yes. Start of 2022. And it was fine i guess i think we both had fun with it so yeah i did, was yeah. expecting argyle to be at least fun in some respect you know at least maybe there were yeah. some cool action like, scenes yeah, it's like a matthew vaughn film yeah, you know like you, you know, have like... some fun like some really cool action sequences or maybe some characters that have a really interesting chemistry you know bounce off with the dialogue you know like it's yeah. some, there's something that's alive with it maybe it's just got a few comedic scenes that are a bit yes. goofy like rasputin and elton john in the kingsman films that would be fun wouldn't it wouldn't that be nice well, yes that would be nice and you know the needle drop moments like they were actually pretty good you're just mesmerized by the visuals that'd be nice but this is our guy we're talking about you don't get any of that here no we're not and this was a shock actually this was a shock to watch at the cinema not in a good way you were just stunned the entire time i was like what are you watching this is not matthew vaughn at all this is just so bad i don't know what it is so should we get into spoilers Yes. Um, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't this seen it. Sorry. Um, oh, yes. It. It's $200 yeah. million. Dollars. How? Oh, How? I don't even know. I don't even. Uh, yeah. Um, Argyle, briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. Right, okay. Reclusive author Ellie Conway writes best-selling espionage novels about a secret agent named Argyle, who's on a mission to unravel a global spy syndicate. However, the plot of a book start to mirror the covert actions of a real-life spy organization. The line between fiction and reality begin to blur. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. this film was bad. <laughs> Shockingly bad. Like, at the beginning of the film, right, so we've got this cliche spy story at the beginning, you know, Agent Argyle trying to take down this villain that Dua Lipa plays. And it's like, oh, it's a bit cheesy. They're trying to take it down. And it's like supposed to be an intentional spy film. You know, like it's a bad film that at the beginning. But then the rest of the film just keeps doing that. It's just like a whole skit 
it was just all over the place. You just couldn't have connection with the characters and it was just really bad. Yeah, I agree. The opening scene feels very much like, you know how at the beginning of every Bond film, you've got your yeah. big opening action set piece and it's always a big deal and every film they're like how can we top ourselves and i think that more or less you can judge the quality of the bond film you're about to see based on the opening set piece and i think that when it came to this film it started and as you say it was a little bit almost intentionally bad and i was watching it and i was like okay i see where they're going with this it's kind of gonna be like this look at this goofy reality and but it didn't stop. Like when we left the fictional world and we came into the real yeah. world, <laughs> it was just bad and it continued to be so. I have no clue how Matthew Vaughn has somehow fallen from such heights. Like he's really lost the source here. He I've lost seen some his people. Mojo. <laughs> he's lost his mojo. Yeah, I've seen some people online being like, oh, this is a fun film. And I'm really happy that people have found like yeah. fun in it. And I can see why you would. But I just sat there for two hours, over two hours, <laughs> it, and it, just yeah. wanted yeah. to die. Yeah, same. This was almost on the edge of watching The Flash. You know, like, I wanted to die just watching this film. And basically, Argyle, you know, at the beginning, this is some crazy set piece. But then once it goes into reality... I don't know what it was. It just didn't feel right at all. Especially, there are some moments in the story that have some weird plot points. And they are confusing. Very confusing. Because one, the author, Ellie Conway, is actually a real-life spy. Oh my god, no. We we did not get this. We didn't get spoiled. No. <laughs> she's she's the real Agent Argyle. Or should she's I say re- R. Kyle, as in R. Kyle. Rachel yeah. Kyle. Yeah. Apparently, she was in some accident. But then the accident was that she... My brain was like, she got pranked. No, she didn't. She didn't get pranked <laughs> about that explosion. No, yeah, you got pranked. No. She got hypnotized. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And she got trapped in this apartment where this hacker was living in. And it was full of explosives. She had to jump in the river and all that. And then that's how she lost her memories. But somehow the division guy, the head of it, Brian Cranston, he knew where she was, apparently. And then she was an ice skater. Uh, she was an ice skater, apparently, you know, when she lost her memories. And there was this fight sequence where it was on this boat and this place was full of oil. And Ellie Conway just turns to Aiden and then she was like, do I ice skate? And he was like, yeah, 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 you've got those memories. And then she somehow can ice skate, which was never explored in this film at all. Somehow she has this ability to ice skate. And there's some really other weird plot points as well. I I was just like, what is happening? That whole action sequence, I wouldn't mind that it's ridiculous and that it comes out of nowhere. But it's just a completely preposterous CGI model whisking around the place. It's like, to compare this to other Matthew Vaughan films, in Kingsman the Golden Circle, Elton John just immediately knows karate and it and just does like a perfect mid-air kick. Yeah. And yeah, that's that... ridiculous. It's preposterous. It comes out of nowhere, but it's funny and it looks somewhat realistic. And there is a good use of slow-mo and music that brings that scene together. It's just a small moment, but it's memorable, and I found it quite fun. But this 
is just there isn't any of that there's no charm to it there's nothing special in the music or the way that it's shot and this film was 200 million dollar budget and yet we still have a scene like this where it just feels like characters in a video game just moving around at superhuman speed not even looking like they're actually there like that's like the main thing that got me about that scene is it just looks like a cgi character just whisking around and There's just no believability to it. A lot of the action scenes just feel very strangely done. Matthew Vaughn didn't bring his same level of flair or energy to his action. And I think that's just crazy because if there's one thing I always count on Matthew Vaughn doing, it's delivering some fantastic action. But this film doesn't even have that. And I really cannot tell why it really is just the most boring. And we have like these action scenes where Aiden, Sam Rockwell's character, is from Ellie's perspective going between being Aiden and being Agent Argyle, played by Uh Henry Cavill. It's this weird body swapping thing that is such a great concept. Like, think about the dancing sequence in Last Night in Soho. Every time the two characters, Thomas and Mackenzie and Annie Taylor-Joy, would switch, it was beautifully choreographed. It was all done in camera. There were only a few cuts, but even then it was made to look like one shot. It was impressive. It was technical. This is just really boring and lazy with this generic eye-closing thing that makes it look like they're switching between the two. And you could have done something really inventive with this. You could have at least made this very odd element of the film where Ellie is seeing Argyle all over the place, which only ever really shows up in the action and and, and never anywhere else. Like, they could have made that something really interesting and really special and really emphasised the fact that she doesn't even know the lines between reality and fantasy. But no, and I am extremely perplexed (laughs) as to how the action just throughout is so unmemorable. I agree. It was just so boring. There was no exciting fight moves or sequences. Like, for example, the most memorable stuff I could remember was from John Wick. For like, oh my god, you can remember so many moves that John did in that film. But this one, there was just so boring. And it was just felt like a copy of like, you know, all the other fight sequences. Like Bullet Train, for example. There were some fight sequences in Bullet Train. And by the way, the music choice is just so bizarre. Because, for example, when Ellie comes to the point where she sees Argyle and Aiden like swap there was that weird music that was playing the entire time and I don't know what it is but when there is like a song that's playing over a fight sequence it just felt very weird why is the song playing where's the song playing and Ellie has this song playing in her head somewhere but we don't know what it is and there's some other weird ones as well that you were just trying to focus and it was just like uh, what's the point of music why is it there They'll play the music randomly, and that happened in that last fight where Ellie was fighting Aiden, and they were playing, I forgot what the song was they were playing at the end, and it just felt so bizarre, and I just felt really frustrated, like, okay, why is this playing? I get why we have music sequences that are going to be involved in fight sequences, but what is the point? Why are you making us feel frustrated in such a... This is $200 million. You could have done something else with that music to make it more engaging. You know, focus on the fight sequences or something on the story that can have some flair with Matthew Vaughn. But this, no, this was just 
Nothing. Matthew Vaughn, he knows how to direct action to music. You got the free bird scene in the first Kingsman, the Saturday night's all right for fighting yeah. scene in the second yeah. Kingsman. It was perfect. The, they were perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like numerous scenes throughout his filmography. There's the one that introduces Hit Girl in Kick Ass. He knows what he's doing, but here it just doesn't compute. And I'll tell you what song is played when Ellie and Aiden fight at the end. It's Now and Then by the Beatles. Yes, Beatles. That was I was thinking, yeah, this is Beatles. Yeah. Um, that song plays throughout the film and Does it? Yes, it does. I like, did not I did not hear that throughout oh, yeah. the film. That's weird. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we hear it numerous times and Ellie even says, or maybe Aiden says, This is our song. It just felt, yeah, when they're like dancing, there's like this, this is our song and and they use it throughout. There's there's instrumental covers of it and there's the actual one. This is the most frustrating thing ever. Now and Then only came out a few months ago. So there was no way that this film was written or shot with the intention to use this song. Wait, was this the last Beatles song? This is the last Beatles song, yeah. So it only came out recently. So you know immediately that there was no intended connection there. They added it in post for whatever reason. Was it to sell a soundtrack? We don't know. But they used it just for that. There wasn't any intended connection with the music. If anything, because Ellie was in a coma for five years, so this film must be set in like 2030, maybe. It doesn't think about that at all. And to use a song that has so much meaning for the Beatles and the reason why they made that song, what it meant for them to be able to finally use these archival vocals from John Lennon and the guitar by George Harrison, people who've passed on, you know, it's a song that means a lot and has a lot of weight around it. This is the final Beatles song. And playing it here, it feels so shallow. It feels pointless. And it feels also a little bit disrespectful to what that song means. You know, I'm definitely saying this as a Beatles fan, as somebody who cares a lot about it. But these things make an impact. You can't just choose any song. You know, songs Mm. have meaning and they have context behind them. And this just felt so soulless i i was embarrassed for the film i was embarrassed for the actors man like we have a really solid cast all given some terrible stuff to work with and considering that all the marketing heavily relies on henry cavill and dua lipa those two are barely in the dua lipa especially has one scene and that's it henry cavill is in it a little bit more but still barely the whole film relies on bryce dallas howard and sam rockwell who are both good actors in their own right but i don't think they had the necessary chemistry to sell this romance there was no chemistry yeah i also didn't believe either of them as super spies oh couple like, did you get them as a couple? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. are these two in love? Like, really? Yeah, and then somehow they have this massive dance sequences with guns. I was like, what? What is she trying to set up here? And there was nothing to build up with because the lack of the chemistry and the lack of the story, there was no clear indication where, you know, where it was going for this couple, but somehow they fell in love with each other. So, yeah. None of the cast are bad, per se. They're all still really good actors. And, really good actors. you know, I think Brian Cranston and Catherine O'Hara and Samuel L. Jackson, they're all chewing the scenery. They're all having a good time with it. But it just 
doesn't work. It doesn't mesh together. There are all these point of view shots when Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard are looking at each other, and it just looks really awkward. I don't see the love in their eyes. I don't believe in this relationship. There are numerous just weird editing choices as well with like the slow-mo throughout that kind of like draws attention to their connection or whatever. I just don't believe any of this. Like, yes, there were points where the cast managed to wring some emotion, some comedy, some anything, some feeling out of what they were given. But it's very rare. And I was just so, how? How do you have all the pieces to make a solid film and make something so disastrously bland? They could have done something to make this film better with plot choices or working on some chemistry or just getting some better song choices just to put in the movie. And the other annoying thing was that we do get like a subtle idea that Ellie gets her memories back, but this was in a subtle way. And I wish there was a moment we can get to see her remember, like maybe some memories flood in that have like this established relationship with Aiden and with the other agent as well, who somehow survived and that really weird plot point as well. You mean like Ariana DeBose's character yes. who just shows yeah, up I at mean, the end? Yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. And like, ah. Yeah, it was just annoying because she died at the beginning. I was like, oh, is she not going to appear more in the film? And that got me worried because I was like, they just told us about that whole thing, you know, shooting through, not at your heart, but somewhere in the ribcage somewhere. And it was just that weird fact. And then they were like, huh, I wonder who gave me that fact. And then Maria DeBose's character just shows up at the end and just saves Aiden and Ellie and they were like, hey guys, I've known you for five years now. I survived and, you know, it's all of that. And I gave Ellie that fact. So, <laughs> yay, this is this is such a happy ending. This happy ending is not justified at all. It was just so rushed and it was just meh. It felt like a spoof of a regular kind of spy ending where it's like, oh my God, it's this person who's come back. You know, it felt like very much like a Scooby-Doo kind of like, oh my God, the monster was really this guy from before. I think that this film immediately could have been better if it had cast new actors, people who are younger, people who are unknown. I think that it really would have benefited from that. Think Kick-Ass, think First Class, think the first Kingsman, all of those films, they have, you know, their established actors. You've got your Nicolas Cage's, your Kevin Bacon, your Colin Firth's, but those films largely are all centering around new actors, young people, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Taron Egerton and even Jennifer Lawrence when First Class came out. These are people who became famous in part because of these films. And that really worked because these are new people, these young people, they, they were believable in those roles. But the cast in this film are all so much older and just don't work for this kind of role. They're getting to the point in their careers when they can't spearhead action. It's just not working for them. If anything, Ariana DeBose should have been the protagonist of the film. And I couldn't help thinking throughout, she would have been great. If Ariana DeBose was Ellie Conway, this film would have immediately, and no hate to Bryce Dallas Howard at all. I think she's fantastic. I just don't think she's right for this role. But if somebody else did this, maybe someone younger, just maybe somebody with, with, with a different kind of energy. Maybe it's because it's Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell together. Maybe it's just all these elements that just don't work together, even though they would work on their own. I just think that they could have just done anything else 
And it would have been cheaper as well. Like, come on, like, you know, these, these are established actors. They're going to cost, you know, money. But like, if they'd have cast new people, they wouldn't have had to spend nearly as much on this film. And to be honest, I think they're going to lose a lot as well. I don't know anybody who wants to see this film. It doesn't look good. Our cinema had like three people in it other than us. And like four of them left. That doesn't even make any sense. But still. <laughs> four of them left. Yeah, Ariana's the Bose's character, she kind of stole the spotlight at the end, but not in a bad way. I mean, like, she could have something to have her moment rather than just being, okay, I saved the day. She could have been the protagonist. I, I agree. There could have been something like a, maybe a younger generation, like Terry Edgerton and Jennifer Lawrence, something that can help with that. And Rob Delaney was in this film for one yeah. second. I don't understand who's that. Then, like, I love Rob Delaney, but who's cheering for Rob Delaney? Like, seriously, like, who, who's being like, oh my God, the be- the greatest cameo in 2024 is Rob Delaney <laughs> in Argyle. Like, who's thinking that, man? Oh, it's just weird. And then Brian Cranston has this gun. I don't know why it's, it's called Clementine. This film could have been a 90-minute film and you would lose nothing. Like, you could definitely cut out 45 minutes. Like, the whole thing with Brian Cranston and the gun, why is that important? I don't please, know. Please. There was no, there was no moment. God. Brian Cranston doesn't have a moment in this film. He's just, like, an evil guy. He was like, okay, we need to go to London. And the plot twist was just so... Okay, some plot twist was just so predictable. You there were so you know, many exact... plot twists. Oh, my God. In the space of, like, ten minutes, there were, like, seven plot twists. Nothing was working at all with the plot twist. And the funniest thing is that three years ago, a film Twitter account called Discussing Film, somehow they had the details about the film. And it's literally on there. It's still on there. It says on the lines of, Argyle is going to be shooting this year. The story will be about an author who has amnesia that she was a real-life spy before. So we heard about this plot twist before we went in cinema. But my God, we got to see so many plot twists that were just so original. And you just felt out of nowhere. It was just... So nice. You know what the biggest plot twist was? And it, it wasn't even a, like, I knew this is, but the, the mid credit scene revealing the Argyle trained with the Kingsman, and then the end is like, Argyle book one, the movie is coming soon, and now apparently they're making an Argyle prequel series show. How much money do they have to waste on this I don't know why they need Crazy, to do another spy like, series. Ah, I, don't, I just I don't well, know like, why. Like, well, why does it have to be about this? Why does it have to be like this? Is the same thing with what he's done with Kingsman. Kingsman three is happening. The Kingsman two is happening. Matthew Vaughn wants to also make Kickass part of this universe between these three franchises. What's why? Like, I don't, why? I don't know. I don't know. But we're getting a just Kickass reboot. Just leave point. that alone, Matthew. Just continue just... on working on your... Maybe maybe work on something cool rather than, you know, a whole series that isn't... It's not really working. Yeah, this. I I said when we did The Kingsman on the pod, I said, I hope that he does something other than Kingsman for a change. I yeah. was so wrong because this was, like, just... It's... Horrific. You said earlier that this reminded you of The Flash, and I'm going to go a step further. I think this was worse no. than The Flash. I think The I Flash agree. had moments that I enjoyed, and for better or worse, The Flash was carried by Sasha Kaye, who was great as Supergirl, yes. and uh, yeah. all the scenes that she was in, she really was great. This film doesn't have that. It doesn't have the one role that I was like, oh my god, thank god you're here on screen because you're making it better. It doesn't have... Samuel Jackson scenes. was just laughing. He was just laughing yeah. the entire way. Samuel Jackson spent half the time in a room reacting to things and it's just like <laughs> what? that was it 
That was it. Somehow, somehow Secret Invasion isn't the worst thing Samuel L. Jackson has done <laughs> in the last two years. How is that even possible? The I only thing know. that redeems this film for me is that sometimes it shows some competence. Like, wow. Like, sometimes I was barely entertained. It's not like Morbius where I wanted to die the whole time. There were times that I was just like, yeah, fine. It's just just washing over me. And I could laugh because it was stupid. But it also doesn't cross into the territory of a film that's so bad it's good. It was just there. And I wasn't having a good time. And what are you going to give Argyle out of 10? One. That's so fair, dude. I'm going to go two. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you liked it and listening on YouTube, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, we're going to cleanse ourselves of this film because we're doing The Boy and the Heron. Finally. After all this time. um, That that, that will surely cleanse our palate um and you can send us an email at alsteinfilmpod at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on the boy and the heron and ask us any questions or we'll answer it right here on the podcast next week can't wait to talk about that and yes you can follow us on instagram at alsteinfilmpod to see our incredible thumbnails from zane asvel on twitter for more thoughts from tom and tiktok to see edited clips which are all also on instagram reels and youtube shorts and you can find a link to that all in the description below Thanks to LG and Smear for the excellent theme and Roland Phillips for vocals as always. And I think that's everything. Yeah, Argyle. Yeah. <laughs> Every year around this time of the year, we have to have a, a real stinker to, to begin yeah. to begin it with. Yeah. So We're just stuck in this endless loop right now. We just feel like, hey, we're going to talk about a great film. Oh, no, there's a bad film. We're going to talk about a great film. Oh, this is a bad film. Yeah, literally, and... because like last week was Poor Things, which was great. This week is Argyle, which is terrible. Next week is The Boy and Heron, which is great. The week after that is Madame Webb, which... Who even knows? Uh, who and then the week knows? of that is we're revisiting June part one. And so I think it's brilliant that like every week we are <laughs> we're just on this just roller coaster. Doing... We're just oh, like God. trying to talk about the best things ever that make us happy. And then we just talk about the films that we're like, why was this me? Why 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 That's was so this? true? <laughs> That's so true. God damn it. Uh, anyway, take what you're giving. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>